Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you would just join me in welcoming Elijah Waters. Love you. Thank you so much. Do you love Pastor Braden and Leanne Connor? Aren't they amazing? And the whole... The whole team here is incredible, and uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Elijah, and you guys do feel like family every time we come back to this church. I think this is the greatest church in all of Texas. I don't know. This is, you are a part of something amazing, and there's something special that's happening in this place, and so whether you're a first-time visitor or you've been here since the beginning of the journey of Renew Life, um, you belong here, your family, and I hope that you meet some amazing people here. Um, you need to know that, that Braden and Leanne are just as generous and kind off the platform as they are on the platform. And um, Braden has a gift when it comes to preparing food and grilling meat. And it's, it's supernatural. I think it's a spiritual gift. I had some of the best steak I've ever had in my life last night. And uh, my taste buds were giving each other high fives as each bite came in. Anyway, um, some of you are like, okay, preach fast. We want to go to lunch. So... Um, and I'm excited that my wife is here as well. We've been married, um, it'll be 20 years, um, coming up here in a few months, 20 years of marriage, which is pretty good. (laughs) That's all right. And we've got four kids and we left them at home. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, they're a blessing. I love them. But, um, to get, get away for a couple days, um, without the kids is also a blessing. So, um, it's great to have Amory here as well. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump right in to our text this morning, and um, I want to speak to you from a subject that has impacted my life and still continues to impact my life. And I want to go to just, um, uh, our text is going to be in the book of James, and if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I think we can put it up on the screen for you. And I want to read this text about trials, and it says in <clears throat> James chapter 1, Starting in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I also want to read this same passage from the message translation. Do we have the message translation? Yeah, here it is. It says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you may become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I want to speak to you from the subject under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Okay, we've got three of you that know that song. Okay. All right. I remember when I heard, when I first heard Queen do that song under pressure, I'm like, man, they ripped off Vanilla Ice doing Ice Ice Baby. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. That's okay. Under pressure. Can we, can we just pray one more time? Lord, thank you so much for Renew Life Church. Thank you for every 
amazing individual that's here this morning. Thank you for the families that miraculously got their kids up out of bed this morning and dressed and into the minivan and came to church today. God, I pray that you'd speak to all of us in these next few moments and do something amazing and supernatural on the inside of us. God, change us from the inside out. And Lord, for those uh, single people that are here, help them meet each other and get some food later today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hey, church is the best place to meet. Come on, somebody. Some of you are single and ready to mingle. Don't raise your hand. Um, <clears throat> under pressure. I, when I first read this text, um, counted all joy when you fall into various trials. I couldn't help but kind of laugh at that thought, this idea of counting it all joy. I'm like, James, you're crazy. Who, is, who, who thinks it's joyful when you fall into trials? Falling into trials is not joyful. It's oftentimes painful. Falling of any type is painful. Nobody likes to trip and fall. The worst fall that I ever experienced in my life actually happened on a church platform one time. I was preaching at a youth camp several years ago, and uh, one of the nights when I wasn't speaking, they asked me to, to lead worship. One of the things I do at our church is, is help out with the worship team as well. So I thought, yeah, I'll lead worship with the young people. I was in my mid-30s, and so I was excited at the opportunity to just sing and, and connect with these teenagers at this camp. And so we were in this youth facility, and it wasn't as nice as this beautiful theater here. In fact, it wasn't as air-conditioned as this beautiful theater. It was just this hot, kind of sweaty mess with a bunch of teenagers. It was stained concrete on the floors and the stage as well. And we started singing this song, and uh, the song had motions to it, uh, where everybody's running this way, and we're running this way, and it's, you know, 12 to 18-year-olds, so they're just having a blast. It's youth camp, right? And so we're running, and as we're running, and I'm leading worship and running and just having this awesome moment, what I didn't realize is one of the background vocalists right over here accidentally tipped over their bottle of water, and there is a puddle now on the stage. And so I'm just singing, I'm in the moment, I'm focused on Jesus, I'm focused on just connecting with the people, and I'm running like this, and I step into this puddle, and I go down real quick. In fact, later on, the teenagers said they thought that I was starting to break dance. That's what they thought I was doing, which if you know me is a hilarious thought. But I went down so quick and, and slipped in that puddle. But what happened, if I can, if I can put this in slow-mo for you, is my weight wasn't distributed correctly because I was faced like this but turned like this. And so as my, as my leg slipped out, my kneecap on my left leg decided to see what it was like to go to the outside of my leg. Just what's life like over here? And I actually dislocated my kneecap during worship. I mean, you're watching the t Leanne and the team lead worship. This is dangerous up here. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And so my kneecap dislocated. And in that same moment, I tore my medial collateral ligament um, right off its base. Okay. I tore my MCL, which this is things that you hear professional football players and soccer players talk about this, but also professional worship leaders tear their MCL from time to time. Okay. We're, we're kind of the same. And so, um, and so this all happened in a split second. I slipped, tore my MCL, dislocated my kneecap. And, but the biggest problem was that I still had the microphone in my hand. And, and what happened in this next part, you got to promise me you can't judge me for this. But what happened in this next part is, is I went from singing praises to then all of a sudden shouting a word that should never be shouted in any church setting ever, ever and if that offends you, then let me say it this way. The devil made me say a word 
that should never be, right, that dirty devil. And so I went from saying Jesus to saying something else in the microphone. But, okay, you, you put a mic in your hand when you dislocate your kneecap and see what comes out of your mouth. And so it was in that moment that the youth realized, oh, he's not breakdancing. Um, and so they had to come get me off the stage. They rushed, rushed me to the emergency. I mean, the service stopped. They rushed me to the emergency room where I found out I dislocated my knee, tore my MCL. I come back the next day to camp. I'm in a full leg brace. I'm on crutches, and I'm hopped up on pain meds, you know. And I come back to this camp, and all the teenagers come rushing out, and I'm thinking they're going to say, oh, we've been praying for you. How are you? You're our guest speaker. You know, we prayed all night. No, no, no. Let me tell you what these little teenagers did. They came out, and they were like, oh, my my gosh, do you remember the word you shouted? <laughs> They're like, we've been quoting you all day. I'm like, really great. I'm like, thanks, little Billy, you son of a blessing, you know? So I'm just, I wasn't invited back to that camp, but I, um, but I realized that anytime there's a there's a fall, that, that fall was not, I, I couldn't have prepared myself for that. I wasn't expecting that. It happened in an unexpected way. And when James talks about falling into various trials, it's kind of like that. The trials are not something you just plan and prepare for, and you're like, okay, I feel like there's a trial coming my way. I'm going to be ready for, the, for it this time. No, life throws unexpected twists and turns. Things happen day to day in life that we're just not prepared for at times. We, we just don't, we just don't know that it's going to happen. We don't know that, oh my gosh, tomorrow there could be a trial this week. What, or there could be a, a situation, a problem, a circumstance that I'm not expecting. That's why it says we fall into various trials. It doesn't say we walk into them, we jump into them, we just kind of glide into a trial, like, okay, trial here. No, we just, we end up falling into trials. And let me tell you this, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, born and raised Texas, if you're from Los Angeles, it doesn't matter what age you are, your background. One thing that all of us have in common in this room today is all of us have experienced some trials in life. In fact, many of us today are experiencing some real significant trials. That's why the author says there's various trials. There's, there's big trials. There's small trials. There's, there's trials that last a few days. There's trials that last a few months. There's trials that last a few years. There's all sorts of various trials. But you need to know today that you might be having some trials, but trials don't have to have you. You might be having some trials right now, some situations and some problems that you're facing at work or with family or some trials in your marriage, some trials with your kids. You might have had, had a diagnosis given to you recently, recently and you're, you're facing some health trials and some situations and problems that are producing fear in your heart and in your life. No matter what you're facing today, you might be having a trial, but that trial doesn't have you. God still has you. He's got his grip on your life. He's in control. God's not surprised by the trials that we face. He knows what you're going through, and he's going to help us through every trial and through every season. Can I hear an amen? I want to just for a moment go to the gospel of Matthew and talk about just two, there's, there's two moments in the gospels where literal physical storms take place, and the disciples are out in a boat in the middle of a lake, and the first one we read about is in Matthew chapter 8, and it starts in verse 23. It says, when Jesus got in the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly there was a great tempest that arose on the sea. So the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. The disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great tempest 
calm. This is the first of the two storms that we read about in the Gospels. And what I think is so interesting is that while this storm is taking place and the disciples are freaking out, they have this revelation, this moment, they, they look at Jesus and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, which seems crazy. The savior of the universe, he's sleeping in the boat. And the disciples perceive that as like, he doesn't care. He, he, we're we're going to die and he's just sleeping here. But the reality is that what this should show us is that when a trial or a storm comes against our life, God's not freaking out. God is chill. God is, Jesus is asleep in this boat. And that posture should actually encourage us because if God's not freaking out about the storms, we don't have to freak out about the storms. If Jesus can sleep and be peaceful during the storm, guess what? He can give you peace in the midst of your storm that you're facing. And I think it's just amazing that the disciples are freaking out. Jesus is asleep, and he's, he's in the boat. He's at peace in the midst of the storm. And, and, and you need to know this about God. That no matter what surprise comes your way in life, you might be surprised by it, your spouse might be surprised by it, it may shake you to the core of your faith, but God is never up in heaven looking down at the trials and problems in our life, freaking out about it. He's never like, oh, myself, whoa, Angels, come here, look at that. I didn't see, in all my foreknowledge, I did not see this one coming. This is crazy. Angels, I need you to fly down and find me some Xanax. I'm freaking out right now. This is, I can't handle this. Like, like God doesn't have anxiety or panic attacks over our trials or situations. Nothing is a surprise to him. God is outside of time. He lives in the eternal state called heaven, and he's seen the beginning and the end of your life and knows all the messes that we make of our life, and guess what? He still loves us in spite of us. He's still loves us and helps us through every single storm and every single trial that we face. The second storm that we read about is in Matthew chapter 14. And it says in verse 24, it says, The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So the disciples are out on the sea again. It says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So this time Jesus isn't in the boat, but he's in the storm walking on the sea. And it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? And then they got into the boat. The wind had ceased. What I love about this particular passage in the storm is in the first story, we realize, we realize that Jesus isn't freaking out. God's not freaking out about our storms. In this one, we see that even though these storms that come our way may not be from God, guess what? God's still in the middle of the storm. God's still there. Jesus comes out walking on the water in the middle of the storm. And I think it's so interesting that the first perception they have, they see Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus. And we just read that they, thought, they actually thought he was a ghost. You know why I think that they thought Jesus was a ghost? Because sometimes your trials will talk to you. You know, sometimes your trials will preach to you. You're going through a problem. Your problems will talk to you if you let them talk to you. And a lot of times your problems and trials will try to convince you that God is not here to help you, but he's here to haunt you. 
He's here to actually judge you. He's here, he's here to actually tell you you're a bad person and you deserve this trial. You deserve this problem. You deserve this. You're on your own. But the reality is that God is not some haunting ghost trying to bring more fear into your life, judgment into your life, but he's actually the savior of the universe coming out in the midst of your storm, coming to help you and show you that you weren't just meant to go through your storm. You were meant to walk on those waves, those very waves that you thought were going to take you down. Jesus is going to help you walk on those. Because guess what? You and I are Peter in this story. He says, come on, Peter, come out on this water with me. Because not only is God in control and on top of those waves, but he wants us to stand with him on top of those waves. That is to say that the very waves of circumstance and problems and situations that you thought was going to sink you will actually be a support to you. The waves that you thought was actually going to sink you and take you out can be a strength to you. That strength and support can come in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trial, just like Peter walking out on these waves with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Because it says when we fall into various trials, we, we can have joy because the testing of our faith produces patience. Anytime there's a trial, there's a test. It's a test of our faith. It's a test to believe, to trust God in the midst of what's going on. It's the test of, okay, can I, can I really believe and trust him for this one? Can I hang on to Jesus? Can I keep looking to Jesus? Just like Leanne shared earlier looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Jesus, you're my goal. You're my prize. Help. The test of faith is the test of, Lord, help me to keep trusting you in the midst of every storm. I love how Paul talks about the testing of our faith. He says in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he tells young Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, faith is a fight a lot of times. It's a fight to believe, to trust God, because in the midst of our circumstances, we can't see the end of this thing. Only God sees it. So to believe and trust him that, okay, God, you're the one who sees the end of this season of my life. I can't see the season. All I see is the storm. I'm going to trust you for the end. But I love that Paul says it's a good fight. Why does he say fight the good fight of faith? You know what a good fight is? A good fight is when you go into the fight, knowing the outcome is that you're going to win this thing. That's a good fight. Come on. Are you with me this morning? It's a good fight when you already know. You, I already know, man, this is going to be tough, but I already know in the end, we win. That's my kind of fight. It's like when I took my boys to the, this Avengers movie. Have, have you guys seen these movies? They're, they're making just a little bit of money, I guess. Um, but you know, the latest Avengers movies coming out. And before we even went, I'm like, I'm like, boys, I need to tell you something. Spoiler alert. I don't know anything about this movie, but I do know one thing. The Avengers are going to have a big fight and then they're going to win. <laughs> sure enough, we go and watch the movie and in every one of these superhero movies, there's a big fight. And, but in the end we win. Well, let me tell you something. God's even more predictable than an Avengers movie. Whatever fight you're going through right now, you need to know in the end of this thing, spoiler alert, we win because Jesus has already said it is finished at the cross. It's done. We win. Fight the good fight of faith. Because the testing of our faith produces patience, it says in James. Produces patience. God's producing something in the midst of every trial. You may think, God, I don't understand 
I'm, I'm confused. Why, why, why am I going through what I'm going through right now? You need to know that whatever you're going through, God's producing something. God's producing something. Let me tell you a little bit about producing things. When something's being produced, when something's being created, it always starts and it looks messy in the beginning. It doesn't make sense in the beginning. We work in Los Angeles and we work with a lot of people in film and production. And it's amazing to see some of the shows that you would watch, you know, with your spouse at night on different networks or Netflix or whatever it may be, you know, getting to be with some of the, the behind the scenes people in our church that are a part of the films and the shows that we watch. But, but getting to see the creative process where we've walked into rooms where there's a dozen people and there's papers everywhere and storyboards everywhere and characters and they're deleting characters and they're editing and they're revising and it is just a mess. But all we see is the end product of this beautiful, amazing film that we love so much, but we don't realize that there was a messy, crazy process leading up to the production of this film. It's not only with films, it's just with simple day-to-day stuff. The other day, my kids were like, Dad, we want to make chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Because I knew that this is three of my four children are in the kitchen now. They've descended upon the kitchen. And I was like, okay, dad needs to leave for about an hour because I'm going to stress out. I'm like, just don't burn the house down. And before I even left, they already had, I mean, there was already flour spilled across the counter. There was sugar on the floor. Half the chocolate chips were in my son's mouth. I mean, it's already a mess. And they're five minutes into this. There's ingredients everywhere and mixing bowls. And I'm like, oh, okay, guys, I'm leaving. Just please clean up. And I come back an hour later, and I kid you not, I came back, and it smelled so amazing in my house. There was a plate of chocolate chip cookies there, and the kitchen was immaculate, and I knew that there is a God who does miracles today, ladies and gentlemen. He still does miracles today. But I realized that no matter what's being created or what's being produced, even creating chocolate chip cookies, the, the production process, the creation process, it's messy at first. It doesn't make sense at first, but in the end, it's going to come together and produce something. And maybe right now you feel like in your life things are cluttered, things are messy. You don't understand what God's doing, but God is producing something. Just hang on a little bit longer. God's producing something in you. He's producing something beautiful. He's producing patience in you. He's producing virtue in you. He's producing a better version of yourself than you've ever known or seen. God is producing something in the midst of the trials. That's why James said we can go into trials with a smile. Easier said than done, James. Come on. But it's because the testing of our faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work. He's producing something. Well, God, I don't understand what's going on. I just lost my job. He's producing something. Well, God, I don't understand. I feel like I can't communicate with my spouse. We're speaking two different languages. Hang on. I'm producing something. Well, God, I don't understand my kids. I'm praying for them, but they're not making any right decisions. And oh my gosh, they're crazy. I'm producing something. Well, God, I don't understand what's going on, the diagnosis I got and what's happening in my body. And I'm so fearful. Hang on. I'm producing something. Well, God, I don't understand what this next season's like. Am I supposed to move? Is my job trying to transition me? Where am I supposed to go? God, what am I supposed to? I'm producing something. I'm producing something. I'm producing something. God is producing something on the inside of you and on the inside of me. I remember a preacher said a long time ago, if you're not dead yet, God's not done yet. And I love that because it doesn't, it isn't like we get to a certain place in our life where it's like, well, I've been a believer now for 20 years and this is the finished work of Christ. I've come to the fullness of who I am as a son of the most high. Do you need some biblical knowledge? Let me show you what the life of a Christian should look like. No, 
All the pastors and all the leaders would agree we are constantly under construction. God's still doing a work in every single one of us. None of us are perfect except Christ alone. And the perfect one is doing an amazing work of maturity and development and producing something on the inside of each one of us. Can I hear an amen? Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I I think a lot of times in the midst of trials, I've done this before. I pray the prayer, God, please get me out of this. God, please get me out of this situation. God, please get me out of this trial. When maybe what we should be praying is, God, show me what I'm supposed to get out of this. Not, not God, get me out of this, but God, show me what I'm supposed to get out of this. Show me, grow me, do what you need to do in this season, God. I'm willing I'm, I'm here. I know you're with me in my boat. I know you're with me in my storm. So Jesus, help me through this trial. I know oftentimes I do that. God, God, just get me out, get me out, get me out. Why isn't God getting me out? Oh, wait, because he wants me to get something out of this. He wants to show me something in this. He wants to grow me in this season of my life. When I think about letting patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I think about an article that I read a few years back about the orange trees in Florida, why Florida oranges are so sweet. And I remember reading about this because we always see commercials about orange juice and it's like the purest Florida oranges. It's like Florida oranges, Florida oranges are the best. You know, they produce, Florida produces the best oranges, right? And I remember reading this article and they were interviewing some of the farmers down there with the orange groves down in Florida And they said that part of the reason why the Florida oranges are so amazing is actually because of all the tropical storms that come in and hit Florida. Every year we hear the stories about the tropical storms and hurricanes even that will come in through that part of the country. And what happens is these these massive orchards of orange trees, these these orange groves, is these, these storms will come through and the winds will come and hit these trees. And in the midst of the storm, the trees actually, it causes their root system to grow at a rate they've never grown before. And during this time of the year, the roots have to grow down deeper because it's just a survival for these trees. They're just trying to hang on so they don't get ripped out of the ground because of these winds and these tropical storms. So as the roots go down deep, they get into parts of the soil and nutrients of soil they haven't been to before. And what happens is at the end of the season, when harvest comes, they, have, they produce the sweetest oranges in the entire nation because the deeper the root, the sweeter the fruit. And it's actually these, these farmers are actually thankful that these storms come through because that's actually part of the process of producing the sweetest fruit off these orange trees. Well, can I just prophesy with my eyes open? Can I just declare something over all of us today? You and I are a lot like those orange trees. And the winds that are hitting you right now and the adversity that's hitting you right now is actually causing something to happen in the unseen, in the unseen parts of our heart, the root system of our heart to just dig into God and dig into this moment and say, oh God, I don't know what else to hang on to, but I'm hanging on to you because you're already hanging on to me. And there's going to be a sweeter, better you that comes out of the of the other side of this season of storms and trials and whatever it is going on in your life, the deeper, the root, the sweeter, the fruit, there's a sweeter you, a better you, a brighter you that's coming out on the other end of this season. And you might feel, 
And I just, I just end with this thought here. You might feel like, well, Elijah, you don't understand the storm and the trial that I'm facing because I feel like it's broken me. I feel like I'm weaker than I've ever been before. I know what it feels like to feel weak and to feel broken and hopeless in the midst of a storm. Something interesting happened several years ago. I had to have um, a leg surgery where my femur was broken in my right leg. I know I started with a leg injury, and I'm ending this with a leg injury. You're like, this guy is problematic. We need to pray for this guy. Um, it's a miracle I still have my legs. But my, my, my other leg, um, my femur had to be, long story short, my femur had to be sawn in half, and, and I actually have a titanium rod now that goes from my, my hip to my knee. And the bone had to grow back around my femur bone. And your femurs, your largest bone in your body, it's a very painful experience, and I wouldn't recommend a broken femur to anybody. But I remember going back to the doctor. It was nine months of, of rehabilitation and physical therapy and to get back to a place where I could walk and run and be active with my kids. And, and I remember asking them the question as I'm looking at x-rays. And you could still see where the break was and see bone growing around. I said, well, well doctor, will this leg always be weaker than my other leg because of the broken femur. Will it always be weaker? And he said, you know what, it's interesting you asked that because he said it's actually the opposite. He said, because of the pressure of your bone breaking, it's forced new bone and new cells and new life to form around that, that broken area. And he said, when the, when the healing process is completely done, this femur will actually be stronger than your other femur that never had a break. This, this leg will actually be stronger than the leg that was never broken. It didn't make sense to me in the natural till he started to explain how the body responds when there's pressure, how the body responds when something's broken, and all the new cells and new life that would come around that area. And I just, it reminded me of that verse of scripture that in our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. And that Jesus knows every weakness. He knows the weakness that you feel today. He knows the areas of your life where you're like, God, I can't do this. But those are the areas where we need more of his grace, more of his life. Just like that part of my leg needed more fresh cells and fresh life and fresh growth. He, he knows the areas that are weakest and those are the areas where we need more grace than ever. And guess what? His grace is sufficient for you. And that area of weakness in your life, he's coming to strengthen. The strength and the power of Christ will be made known on the inside of you in all those areas where you feel weak. Can I pray for you today? We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you